1: Exciting have things been for both the Braves franchise and their fan base in recent weeks. Another significant day both on and off the field for the Braves. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. This actually is a dual Daily Hammer emergency podcast with the late-breaking late-night news on Tuesday night that the Braves and outfielder Michael Harris have agreed to a long-term extension. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, and the Road to Atlanta Podcast, plus the new podcast with Chris Tolbert and with Chris Willis and Stephen Tolbert. You can find all of that great content at BatteryPower.com at BatteryPowerSPN across all forms of social media, plus free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button. Wherever you listen for free, that's where we'll be. Just hit that subscribe button and get the latest content. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And the latest is this. yes, This is true. This is not a dream or anything like that. The Braves once again have locked up Another critical component of their long term future in center fielder Michael Harris II. And for that reason, this, as I mentioned, is a dual Daily Hammer emergency podcast. The wonderful Scott Coleman from the Battery Power podcast with Brad Rowland will be with me a bit later on in the episode to break down every perspective you can think of when it comes to the Braves signing Michael Harris II for the long term. But of course, on the field, there's plenty of important things going on that are impacting the present right now. And the Braves continue to take care of business against the Mets. A 5-1 to victory for the Braves over the Mets. And, and it, things just keep going well for this Braves offense, but in general as well, especially when it comes to Charlie Morton. The Braves now have won eight straight games. The offense continues to show that it's winning in different ways. It can win with the long ball. It can win through creating and converting run scoring opportunities, opportunities, taking advantage of opportunities both to start the game and later in the game to be able to stay consistent to get the job done even against quality opponents. But make no mistake about it, the story of last night on the field was Charlie Morton, six and two-thirds innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, one of the more dominant performances we have seen from Charlie Morton in a Braves uniform, only one walk, three hits. This is the Charlie Morton that showed up in the second half of last year. This is the Charlie Morton that many of us had been waiting for to show up at some point this season, and it's been building up over the past few months, though his record may not indicate it because there's been a few games where the Braves unfortunately have gave up leads late in games that Morton has started. Charlie Morton has been locked in for a few months now. He's had a couple of hiccups like his last start against the Red Sox, but the strikeout rates, the ability to miss bats, the overall ability to limit damage early in games, and a big, big thing, giving the Braves six to seven innings night in and night out and putting them in position position to win. That was the huge storyline from last night's game. Again, arguably Charlie Morton's best start of the season for the Braves and it could not have come at a better time as the Braves offense was also able to support Charlie Morton, by getting production early, but also late in the evening as well. New acquisition, Robbie Grossman, was able to get things started off with a three-run home run in the bottom of the third inning, and then, of course, Matt Olson was able to connect with a two-run homer in the next inning to make the score three to nothing. Dansby Swanson and Matt Olson would both add an RBI later on in the game, and the Braves were able to get... A 5-1 to victory. Matt Olson has been absolutely outstanding as of late. He was a huge reason why the Braves were able to sweep this series in Miami. And now, once again, adding the long ball as well. And we talked about it over, you know, it was talked about over the weekend. I've talked about it over the past couple of episodes. How huge it was, how critical it was for the Braves to at least be able to to get the first two games of this series. Especially with the fact that Max Serger is going to... that the Braves are going to be facing Max Serger on Wednesday and later on tonight. And then they'll be facing Jacob deGrom on Thursday. What this means is that at worst, since the Braves have won the first two games of this series, at worst, if they were to lose the next two games, they've not lost any ground on the Mets. They're right where they were before this series started. But what this also means is, is that by winning... The first two games of this series, if the Braves can earn a victory over at least one of the next two games, they'll have gained two games in the division. The Braves are now three and a half games behind the Mets in the division, and if they can win at least one of the next two games, that'll have been significant ground made up. They will have had won three out of four games in this series which is a huge, huge development. And it's putting the Braves with how well they're playing, putting them well within striking distance of being able to have a chance to win their fifth straight NL division title. It's going to be a hard road to climb. As we saw a few weekends ago, it was a very, 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 very two tough matchups, a very tough stretch of days for the Braves Facing Scherger and facing DeGrom, perhaps with how well the Braves offense, perhaps with the fact that the Braves offense are finding multiple ways to win win right now offensively, perhaps they can break through at least one of the next two games and be able to win three out of four in this series. But of course, the big storyline of the day was the extension for Michael Harris II. An eight-year, $72 million extension with team options for both the ninth, and 10th year to make this potentially a 10-year extension for the Braves and Michael Harris II. Battery Power's own Scott Coleman will be joining me here in a few moments to break down all the different perspectives on the exciting development that the Braves are going to be keeping Michael Harris II home for many years to come. If it feels like that we have a new version or variation of an emergency podcast through the Battery Power Podcast Network every few days now, it's because in reality... That's been the truth over the past several weeks. You had the lead-up to the trade deadline, the actual moves that were made at the trade deadline, the Austin Riley extension, Von Grissom being caught up, and now the long-term extension that's now official with Michael Harris II. So many great things going on for the Braves franchise and their fan base, both in terms of the present and the future. And the great thing about when these things happen, is it offers the opportunity for us to offer multiple multiple perspectives through the Battery Power Podcast Network. And with that in mind, I'm glad to welcome one of my favorite folks covering the Braves, Scott Coleman of the Battery Power Podcast itself. Scott has been kind enough to join me. Scott, how are you doing this evening?
0: Hey, Sean. I'm doing really well. It was a good night for the Braves just to begin with, with the 5 nothing win over the Mets. Charlie Morton was awesome. A couple of big home runs. Uh, And then there was never a dull moment under Alex Anthopoulos. The Braves agreed to a long-term extension with Michael Harris, which, of course, is a very exciting and big night for the organization. So uh, a big – again, man, it's it's exciting times to be a Braves fan.
1: Hey, there's a reason why we love doing these podcasts because it's talking about just how awesome it is for the Braves to be able to lock up one more member of what, honestly, now it's hard to argue against – could be the best offensive core in Major League Baseball over the next five to ten years. And my initial reaction, Scott, is exactly that. This is unexpectedly the Braves adding another piece. When Michael Harris was called up, you didn't necessarily expect this type of commitment to be made, but his play has shown he, he definitely could be more than worth it. What was your initial reaction? And if you will go over the terms and conditions with us of the newest brave to be in Atlanta for a long time.
0: Yeah, there's many, many layers, of course, to this. But you know, since he has come up, we talked about it on the podcast a couple of months ago, you'll remember that when Harris was first called up, it was honestly for his glove in center field. And if he gave you anything offensively, I think it was going to be seen as a bonus. And he was a highly regarded prospect with good reasons. He quickly rose through the minor leagues, debuted at 21 years old as the youngest player in the majors, but uh, he is on pace as a 21 year old center fielder for a six war season uh, those I mean, you probably count on two hands in the history of baseball, the number of of outfielders who have been able to do that at such a young age. Um, you talked about the surprise element. I think it was a bit of a surprise just because he again, he's only been in the majors for a couple of months compared to an Austin Riley, who, of course, has been around a few years. Obviously, Matt Olson was someone who was going to get paid as he neared free agency over the offseason. Uh, but when you look at this deal with Michael Harris, the details are uh, for next year, so 2023 and 2024, you're looking at $5 million. The two years after that, $8 million, then he'll make $9 million in 2027, $10 million in 2028 and 2029, $12 million in 2030. And that is the final guaranteed year. So uh, the Braves have Harris for sure through 2030 and then in 2031 there is a 15 million dollar club option with a five million dollar buyout and in 2020 tw- excuse me 2032 which does not feel like a real year uh 20 million dollar club option with a five million dollar buyout so if the Braves, uh, exercise both of those options the total value of the deal is a hundred and two million dollars over 10 years quite obviously you and i and no one out there knows what the atlanta braves organization is going to look like let alone three years from now uh, compared to 10 uh, but good for michael harris he gets a big time payday there's something to be said being 21 years old and knowing that at bare minimum you have 72 million dollars in your pocket uh, and and it, I think there's a real chance that when we look back on this deal in a decade, uh, the Braves will get some real surplus value as well. I think it's one of those deals where both sides are going to be very happy when they go to sleep tonight.
1: Absolutely. And we're going to look at this from many perspectives, but let's start out with a bit more about that surprise element. Now, when you look at the extensions that Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, and we'll compare this closely to Ronald Acuna Jr.'s extension a bit later on in the episode. But when it comes to Michael Harris, I mentioned those three, Scott, because Michael Harris was not on the level, he did not have as much time. He he was never as high as those other three players that I mentioned. And it seemed like, you know, really towards the middle part of 2021, that's when the hype around him really started. And as you mentioned, it was the glove coming up that really stood out as to why the Braves made the move to be aggressive with him to bring him up. But because the bat has been far better than anybody could have expected to where Michael Harris is a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate with teammate Spencer Strider. There's added layers that can allow for, you know, if perhaps there are times when, you know, maybe his offense regresses as we've seen for stretches so far this year. It's great when he's got his back going, but his glove also could potentially allow for him to be a year in and year out contender for gold gloves. And then you add his offense you potentially have one of the more valuable outfielders in the game over the next several years playing center field for the Braves. Yeah, absolutely.
0: As as you noted, he is uh, pretty darn close to being a true five-tool player. Uh, Again, because he's 21 years old, presumably is only going to keep getting better. I talked about him being on a six-war-ish pace as as a rookie center fielder. Uh, even with an 0 for 4 on Tuesday night, he's hitting 287, 325 with a 500 slug, a 126 WRC. Uh, over a full year, I mean, you, you look at his profile, he's somebody who could threaten for 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Uh, there are only so many people on the entire planet who are capable of doing something like that. One of them being Michael Harris's teammate, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, So you talk about being a multi-level player. He can catch it. He plays a really good defensive center field. The metrics love him out there. The high test loves him out there. He can really run the bases as well. And, and center field is such a premium position in major league baseball. Now, this is not a first baseman where it's a position position that's kind of uh, maybe not fallen off to the side, but is not as high of a priority for a lot of teams. Uh, talented young center fielders don't exactly grow on trees. And again, for for Harris, he because of his contract status before the extension, the Braves had him locked up for another five or six years, depending on how the rookie of the year vote goes and these, these new wrinkles and the collective bargaining agreement. So yes, it's an eight-year deal. The club had him either way for at least five years, maybe six. Uh, but again, to lock in the price... Especially when salaries are skyrocketing, not just in Major League Baseball, but in all of the professional sports, uh, you you look down the road. Even if Michael Harris doesn't continue to progress at this All Star superstar level, or God forbid, there's a bad injury, you look down the road. You're talking about ten million dollars and twelve million dollars, even fifteen million dollars. Uh, is not a huge, crazy amount of money where on the chance that things don't go as well as we think they will, it's not going to be a crippling salary or contract that's going to hold the organization back.
1: And Scott, the other thing that we talk about is, is you know, again, getting back to comparing Harris, his prospect status, to where Riley and Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies are. You know, we talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies, and let's be honest, the Braves got extremely extremely team-friendly deals for both of those players. There was a little bit of that talk when they signed Austin Riley to a 10-year, $212 million deal a few weeks back. With Michael Harris, sure, you're probably going to get some initial reaction. Oh, the Braves did it again. They're significantly underpaying a player in terms of his potential future earnings. But I don't get that this deal is the same as the other three that I mentioned. Because again, Michael Harris, this type of commitment from the Braves to him, it wasn't expected like you could have seen with those other three deals. And for that reason, I see every reason why Michael Harris would want to take advantage of this. And I think that this is a pretty fair long-term value play both for Harris and for the Braves. There could be surplus value there, but I don't think it's to the level as the other deals that we've seen the Braves sign.
0: Yeah, anytime one of these deals go down, whether it's the Braves or another organization, uh, and let's be clear, Alex Anthopoulos is very good at his job. He is looking out first and foremost for the health of the Atlanta Braves organization. Um, You know, there's when you look at a deal like Ronald Acuna Jr. signed, he has the hundred million guarantee. Ozzy Albies, uh, admittedly, does not have a great deal with with where he signed, but. You know, at the end of the day, Michael Harris is 21 years old. He just signed for at least $72 million, and he has 268 professional plate appearances under his belt. So you can understand why whenever it is presented to Michael that, hey, do you want to put $72 million in your bank account? It might mean that down the road, you you trade off a little bit or maybe even a lot of bit of money But man, there's something to be said for locking in the guarantee. It allows the Braves to continue building this, this core that they have been kind of accumulating over the years. And you talk about the long-term picture of the Atlanta Braves. Michael Harris is now going to fit in very nicely into that picture. Um, Again, and it's, it's that trade-off, Sean, $72 million is a lot of money to put into your bank account at age 21. Um, Sure. Maybe in a decade, Michael Harris go. man, if I would have just played it out, I could have made $200 million over uh, the same amount of time, rather than $100 million. We just don't know. That's a long time away. There's a lot of baseball to be played. Uh, But I think it's a deal again. I think the Braves are happy. I think Michael is very happy. Um, And then that's just part of the business of, do you want it now? Or do you want to play it out? And, and I don't blame any player who wants to put that guaranteed money and the, the financial security for their families in their pocket.
1: Absolutely agree, a hundred percent. And you know, the other thing that you that you is wonderful to see is that Michael Harris is is another Georgia kid. He kind of similar to Matt Olson, who we'll talk about as well when we, when we get a little bit more into the core the Braves have long term. But you know, you've got you know you. I've heard a little bit about the culture that the Braves are building, and I think there's something to it, but it's based off the organization doing right by these players for years before they came to the major league level. And it's just awesome to see, especially in the case of Michael Harris, a kid who grew up in the Braves area, who cheered for the Braves, now is going to be a Brave for a long time. It's, it's wonderful to see. Now, if you're thinking to yourself that the structure of this deal for Harris is very similar to Ronald Acuna Jr.'s, that's because it is. Both deals were for eight years, Ronald Acuna Jr., eight years, 100 million, Michael Harris, eight years, 72. Both had two team options for a ninth and 10th year. But that's not the only thing that stands out to me about this. Now over basically the next seven to eight years, Scott, It's hard to say that there are many other outfield duos that have as much potential as Acuna Jr. and Harris do, and I'm not just talking about offensively. I'm talking about as a defensive combination. I'm talking about you could see them combining for over 50 steals for several years to come. You've got one of the more dynamic duos in the outfield, and the other big thing is The certainty for the Braves now in the outfield moving forward, that has significant value going forward compared to what Alex Anthopoulos has had to piece together over in recent years. That has to stand out as well, the certainty you get from that duo.
0: Yeah, I was remarking the other day just how young and athletic the Braves' roster is right now, especially with this influx of Michael Harris, and Vaughn Grissom, who is coming out gangbusters, who knows, maybe in a couple of months, we'll be talking about some kind of a deal for Vaughn. But you're right. I mean, to, you talk about your core now, looking ahead a little bit, you have Acuna and uh, Harris locking up two of your outfield spots. You have your corner infield locked in. You have your second baseman locked in. We will see what happens at shortstop. And even though he has not signed a long-term deal Uh, William Contreras very much looks like a long-term piece. Uh, You have some very talented young starting pitchers as well. So you are absolutely right when uh, you're talking about the long-term prognosis, you can do a whole lot worse than having two uh, five-tool stars in your outfield with Acuna and Harris. Uh, Again, it's a a good way to build baseball teams. You don't want to get your roster where you have a bunch of older guys on the downslope Uh, In theory, it's weird to say, but even though the Braves were World Series champions last year and have a very real chance to make another deep run this year, uh, this is going to be an organization that looks like, on paper at least, they are going to be set up for uh, a lot of success for five, six, seven, eight years to come uh, with this young uh,
1: assortment of talent that they have. Absolutely. And and it just goes to I I asked Eric this question, uh, Eric Cole, um, who I I talked with about the Austin Riley extension uh, when, when it was signed a few weeks ago. You know, this is what stands out about Alex Anthopoulos is that he is so good at the aspects of being a general manager that you don't necessarily talk about. That much. You know, when he was in Toronto, Toronto, Alex, if you will, we were talking, you know, it was all the talk was, oh, he'll make the big move anytime that he needs to. But yet, here, the best things that he's done is the moves that he didn't make by keeping these prospects in play and allowing for them to develop into the players they are now and also making moves on the margins. But You know, years ago, we were talking about why isn't Alex going for it? Why isn't he willing to give up these prospects? And now he just keeps on making signing after signing to keep this core together. It may not necessarily be the way that you typically judge general managers by, but it's hard to say that right now there is a general manager who is doing his job better than Alex Anthopoulos.
0: Yeah, I mean... I I've actually I looked it up earlier and retweeted the the Braves' official announcement hiring Alex Anthopoulos in the fall of 2017, and you think about everything that has transpired since that point. Um, Atlanta was in a pretty bad spot at the at that time with the John Coppolella ban for life, and of course the team had not had a winning season in five or six years at that point when Anthopoulos was hired, but. You're absolutely right. I'm sure the Braves have gotten a whole bunch of phone calls about these young players um, hanging on to, as you noted, Austin Riley, Michael Harris, Vaughn Grissom. I know uh, Anthopolis said the other day that they got a bunch of calls about Harris in the offseason, and they he was the one player that he was telling folks, absolutely not, sorry, we're not doing it. Um, and, that, and that's tough as a general manager. He feels pressure to put a winner on the field. Um, and, and one other quick point on that is, I think it's a tip of the cap to Dana Brown, who is running the Braves' uh, drafts and uh, just as an organization as a whole, the player development under Anthopolis and those who he oversees has been phenomenal. And you look at the way that all of these young players, whether it's Riley, Spencer Strider, uh, Von Grissom, Michael Harris, uh, the way that young, some of these pitchers like Kyle Wright and Max Fried have come into their own. Uh, it really is a testament to his uh, his front office as a whole, quite obviously. Anthopolis is not down in the minor leagues doing outfield drills with these guys, uh, but he is the one who steers the ship and leads all tides, and and man, five, six years into his tenure, you're absolutely right. I, he has
1: done such a remarkable job. And the last perspective that we'll cover is this, and and you know, I really don't think that there's a lot of risk, but I, I can see you know someone looking at this and being like, potentially, are the Braves investing too much in their in their homegrown talent? But the thing that I'll say is is that okay, you may have that perspective, but the big thing that stands out to me, Scott, is that the Braves are. Possibly the best example we've seen in recent MLB history where it was the bombs and the bullpens. The Braves' ability to create instant offense consistently plus the night shift last year is what stood out in them winning the World Series. Well, now you've got Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, who could be your top four. And we haven't even talked about Michael Harris or William Contreras or others who will be possibly lower in the lineup or they eventually could work their way to the top. The one aspect that stands out the most about this is just how awesome this offense can consistently be for years to come. And that seems to be the way to go in baseball now to have success in the postseason is having an offense that can win in multiple ways. Hitting the home runs when it needs to, but also creating um, issues for other teams on the base pass. Putting hits together, this is a deep, deep offense, and I'll let you go over just how long it can be together. But the exciting thing is, it's here to stay for years to come.
0: Yeah, I mean the core is in place. You just listed off. The Braves have a half dozen All Star level talents now signed for a long time. Um, You know that that's really exciting as a fan and as somebody who covers the team. Uh, And then you know again we talked about the money on this. You know, $8 million, $10 million, even 15 20 That's just not that much in today's major leagues. I mean, I was just looking at the a list of some of the contracts that were signed last offseason. Eddie Rosario signed for $9 million a year. Uh, Joe Kelly, who is like an unremarkable 7th or 8th inning reliever, signed for $8.5 million a year. Uh, I mean, go, you know, go down the list. These are big time salaries for players who are frankly not that good. Um, and then you look at what the Braves just signed Harris to. Um, th- there's I, I it's it's always weird to say when you talk about a player who just signed an eight year or potentially ten year deal that there's no risk involved because there are a lot of things that can go wrong, and let's hope not. But for the amount of money the Braves are going to pay Michael Harris, I think there's just such a higher probability that when it's all said and done, Harris is going to only continue getting better. Uh, as as you have laid out, he is a prime athlete, someone who can do everything you like to do on a ball, uh, a ball field. He can hit for power. He hits for average. He can run the bases. He plays a good defense. These are all traits you want in your core talent, the guys you are going to be essentially married to, for the next decade, um, and again, I, I think it just—it's a testament to the Braves today and, and in the future too. It's just—it's uh, it's, things are uh, things are good in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: And Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tee up here, and, and this will be the uh, last question that we have about this. So we've got Michael Harris signed now. So the Braves now have their third baseman, first baseman, center fielder, right fielder, um, second baseman, all locked up long-term. They've got their catcher under team control as well. There's a premium position out there at shortstop, and there is a pretty productive player this year who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. I think that I don't want to read too much into it, but with all these extension happening for players who are far away from free agency, what does this, if anything, tell you about the future perspective of Dansby Swanson? Could he be next or Perhaps are the tea leaves reading something else about his long-term future in Atlanta?
0: That is the million-dollar question. And assuming we don't get resolution on this with an extension for Dan Speed before the year ends, um, it is going to be by far and away the most pressing question of the offseason. You know, reading between the lines a little bit, I think it's interesting that Alex Anthopoulos has now done six mega deals big contracts six seven eight ten years hundreds of millions of dollars since he took over and Dansby has not been one of those players and as we have outlined for years Swanson is in a different financial situation than a handful of these guys he was a number one overall pick he got a big time signing bonus he has made a fair amount of money through arbitration so Oh, maybe maybe Dansby isn't feeling the financial crunch or matter of fact I'm pretty sure he isn't feeling the financial crunch and maybe he wants to be the pretty girl at the dance and have 30 teams uh, see if they can lock him in um, I think every day that passes quite obviously it probably lowers the the chance that Dansby is elsewhere next year uh, there is a loaded shortstop free agent class uh Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, uh, Tim Anderson, Dansby. uh, Maybe both sides are interested to see and kind of let the market play out. I don't think it's impossible that Dansby is back next year, Uh, but I do think both probably internally and externally, it has raised some eyebrows that in the last 36 months, Anthopolis has been so active and aggressive with these long-term extensions, and, and Dansby doesn't. Have that deal now. It takes two to tango in these contract extensions, as you know well. Maybe Dansby's side has no interest in working on an, an extension, maybe one they feel would be more team friendly. They want to see and hear from 29 other clubs, uh, but it is interesting. I thought about that a little bit earlier. I'm sure it's kind of run through the minds of a handful of Braves fans tonight, too. Uh, the Dansby doesn't have a contract in a couple of months. Uh, all eyes will be on the shortstop position this winter.
1: And The other thing that stands out to me about that particular instance that connects back to Harris and all the other deals is this, Scott, is that you know Dansby, I can certainly understand it. Just this past winter, we saw several shortstops in a loaded market. It didn't really impact anybody's payday. Every one of those shortstops got paid pretty fair value, and the teams will pay for shortstops. So I don't blame Dansby with the two last years he's had of wanting to play the open market. But the other thing to consider is this: is that you said it yourself. Several years, hundreds of millions of dollars through all the extensions, but the other big key is is that Alex Anthopoulos has been able, with each of these deals, to keep the average annual value at a fair amount for these players. What that opens up is future flexibility for the Braves to still be able to potentially spend big time on a player you know, over a pretty extended contract if they wanted to, but also being able to pay hefty one-year contracts as well to add pieces where they need to to stay a true World Series contender.
0: Yeah, that's well said. I mean, I think in general, in free agency, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, you either have to overpay in dollars – or in years and that's where teams can get into a little bit of trouble and i think where the Braves have such a massive advantage i mean you i think you can argue the Braves have done a better job developing their own talent over the last 5 or 6 years better than maybe anyone in baseball i mean Tampa Bay is a machine los angeles uh, the dodgers were really good though recently they've started to just kind of buy players but Regardless, I think it's a fair argument to say the Braves have done a better job than anyone developing their own talent. And the biggest upside and upswing of that is that if you're able to then pay them at either market or below market deals, then you have the opportunity to go out and hunt for a superstar on the free agent market because you're in a good financial status. You're not the Philadelphia Phillies who have probably a half dozen contracts on their books that they would like to get out of. If they could, Uh, they're going to have that flexibility. We, we kind of joked about it for years with Alex Anthopoulos and the financial flexibility and shopping on every aisle. Uh, But whenever you're able to lock in these talented young players at fair deals or even team advantage deals Uh, It it only sets up uh, your organization for even more success. And hey, if it means the Braves are able to bid for some of the game's truly great players and add to their core that they have in place for years to come, uh, all the better. Let's let's go in another World Series or uh, at least, you know, continue
1: to have one of the best teams in, in the league as they have done these last few years. So in other words, while it may, while these extend, extensions for Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna Jr. being healthy may make it less likely that in the near future we'll see other exciting stories like we saw with Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, and others, I think the Braves franchise and their fan base are willing to make the trade-off for seeing Michael Harris II and Ronald Acuna Jr. roaming the outfield at Truist Park for years to come. Scott, do you have anything for us? And thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to talk with you as, as always, sir
0: yeah sean you as well always good to do a a coleman and coleman podcast uh hope everybody out there is doing well we appreciate the support it really does mean the world to us uh you know whenever a big big trade or a big signing or something like that goes down uh all of the tweets about an emergency podcast i i appreciate them i know you guys uh you know the listeners are the reason we do these podcasts we really do appreciate all the support and hey man There's been a lot of good news for the Atlanta Braves really. Now, if you just look back on almost a calendar year, think back to where the Braves were this time in the middle of August in 2021, barely above 500. Maybe they were going to sneak into the playoffs and uh, the rest is history. And then everything that's transpired over this season too. Uh, It's really a great time. And uh, again, I appreciate everybody tuning in and, and thanks Sean for letting me join tonight.
1: Absolutely, of course. You can find Scott and his great content. One of the best uh, producers of Braves content out there. You can find him at Scott Coleman fifty five on Twitter, myself at stats SAC. You can find Scott and Brad Rowland typically on the Battery Power podcast every Sunday night into Monday. Myself on the Daily Hammer. You can find both those shows plus the Road to Atlanta podcast and the great new podcast with uh, Brad Rowland, or excuse me, Chris Willis and Stephen Tolber all at batterypower.com at Battery Power SBN across all forms of social media and free on all podcast platforms. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content nearly every day you'll get some content and hey while it may not be as frequent moving forward it's going to be a joy to talk about each and every one of these players for years to come. For Scott Coleman my name is Sean Coleman we'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network.